You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the show, hour number three, Big Show. Uh, Russick away back tomorrow. Patty Dumas sits opposite me today. We got GVP and Azam in the other room running the show. Um, hey, uh, I wanted to mention something to you, Patty. Oh, hey. Remember last week I asked you how long do you think I can go without a wallet? You got it back? Did he bring it back? It's in the city. Oh. I haven't got it physically back yet. Okay. But the answer is so far, I can a go week? six days You've almost made it a week? without my wallet. It's amazing how little people actually need wallets nowadays. Right? Like, I got my visa on my cell phone. and Like, the only thing is the ID and driver's license. The only thing. I have been following the... If you follow the rules, you the don't really rules need to, to the that. letter of the law. I don't if think you be, will. You and me are going to go no clubs anytime soon. I the I, the mustache usually gets me. Yeah, in. I yeah. mean, I still get ID'd sometimes at bars. I'm really? like, I don't know why. Like, what are you doing? Like, I'm at the point like like uh, they, like oh, it's an honor to be ID. I'm like, no. Do you talk like the youths? Is that no? Why? I don't talk like the youths. I've never not been ID. Well, of course, he's, he's going to be ID till he's like a child. That's yeah, why. I know. Like, they do say any facial hair. You're, you're supposed to ID if you look under 40. Mm. What? Yeah. I think they changed it under 30. Oh, they now. changed it under 30? Yeah, it's under 30. When I worked at the liquor store, they, they made it, it was like 40, and then like nobody did it, because like, come on. Yeah. So I think they went back to 30. So big thanks to uh, my boy Dave for uh, hooking it up, Hell going yeah, to get the wallet. Thanks, uh, Dave. Different Dave than the Dave that is joining us right now, yes. David Pinota, who joins us down the Alice Pizza Sports Bar guest hotline. Hi, Dave. How's it going? I... I... I miss getting ID'd. I don't know what you guys. <laughs> I I get I'm it. Old now. I get it every once in a while, and I'm kind of like surprised. What are you doing? Um, not necessarily. Like, what are you doing? But I'm like, what are you thinking? Like, do you really think, or do you, or are you on camera? Like, do you actually think that I am underage, or are you just, day. or are you just going through the motions yeah. of following the law? That's what job. I. That's what I always think. Right. I, I, see, I like I like the certain spots, like you know, there's certain towns. Nashville is one mm-hmm. of them. Vegas is another, where they're like, okay, here's the, um, let me see your ID, and they kind of glance at it just so the cameras can pick it up. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, we did our job. Okay, you can go in. So that's kind of deflating. But the the, the real ones are like, oh, okay, I feel kind of better about myself right now. Maybe I'm <laughs> as hip as these young fellas over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking very young today. Good for me. Hey, how, how's the summer going for you? Do you feel like we're getting closer to the hockey season now? We were kind of talking about it earlier on the show, but we're starting to see some signs around town that hockey is not too far away. Yeah, yeah, definitely starting to kind of slowly get back into the swing of things that, you know, the Carlson trade a couple Sundays ago kind of spun things off a little bit more during the summer now and um, you know, Labor Day is coming up, and that's typically in a couple of weeks. That's typically when things really start to ramp up all over again once we get past that weekend. But yeah, things right now seem to be getting um, a little bit back on track with a few clubs that are, you know, some of the guys took, took some time off, and, mm-hmm. and some of the GMs and managers took a little bit of time off, and now they're slowly getting back into the swing of things. The cap situation for a lot of teams, um, plus you got RFAs and you got some guys that are on expiring deals and things like that. You want to kind of get out of the way, but I mean, overall, um, with, with the cap situation, so many teams so close and up against it, it's kind of giving, uh, some of these managers, I guess the opportunity or, or taking advantage of this off time to try to fix some situations a little sooner than they normally would have. 
It's one of those things where it's like if I had a nickel for every time I had to talk about cap situations and there's no cap and there's no movement because we have no money, like I would be a very rich man like many of these NHL players. But the problem is there is no cap and it doesn't feel like there's really going to be a reprieve from this anytime soon. Can you change my emotions on that? Can you make me feel like there's actually going to be some money available for these players and some movement in the near future? Like like near future, 10, 11 months from now? or <laughs> Like within the decade? <laughs> like The cap, yeah. I mean, look, the, the next season, not this coming season, the season after, we'll see it start to increase. Um, you know, four, five, six million, and then and then it'll continuously kind of go up for I guess a few years. Um, we're we're going to hit a hundred million at some point in, in the next few years here, um, in terms of in terms of the overall cap. Now, how that's going to affect some teams that are, you know, hitting the floor for certain clubs going through rebuilds and whatnot, that might make things a little difficult on their end because they're going to have to spend. But I mean, overall, revenues are up, sponsorship is up, international game is expanding. Um, I, I don't honestly like. Uh, Vegas, excuse me, uh, LA and, and Arizona, they've got two exhibition games being played in Melbourne, Australia next month. Yeah. I, I, I think that bill is covered. Like, I don't think the league's paying for, for a dime. So to help grow the game and expand the game in, in other markets and to generate revenue from that perspective, I mean, that's all adding to HRR and that's all going to affect the, 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 the salary caps going up. So that's great this time next year. Uh, but right now for a lot of teams, it makes things a, a little bit difficult uh, in trying to navigate and, and maneuver the cap going into this season. Teams can still spend 10% over the cap in the off season. A lot of teams are going to have to send some young kids down because um, they want to take advantage of the waiver wire and, and, and not having to place guys on it. Um, so, you know, we're going to see some kids on some teams not start the year with, with the NHL club because they thought, you know, they thought they might have, but because of the cap situation that it's just the nature of the beast. Um, so there's going to take a little bit of creativity, but there are some clubs that are trying to give themselves more flexibility, and we're seeing some teams kind of get a head start on that now. Actually, Washington, after they signed Tom Wilson last week, Brian McClellan, their GM, coming out acknowledging publicly that, yeah, we're still trying to make a move and, and, and augment our top six a little bit. And if we can move some money out and bring somebody in, that's what they, they would like to do, and we'll see if they can pull that off. Anthony Mantha is still a guy that's definitely out there and available if, if – Somebody's willing yeah. to take that on. I wonder about the cap situation moving forward because this offseason in particular, we've seen a ton of one-year deals for some pretty solid money. Matt Duchesne's at yep. three million, Zucker at five point three. The two guys in Toronto and Domi and Bertuzzi got those style of deals. Do you think that's going to be yep. something that we see moving forward, or is that just a one-off until the cap does expand? Yeah, I, th I think it's more of a one-off right now mm. because of the situation of where we're at. I mean, everybody anticipates the cap going up. There's going to be more flexibility, more contracts expiring next summer um, to give teams a little bit more wiggle room. Uh, and and they're, at the same time, they're also going to be a bunch of guys that are going to hit the market um, and, and teams are going to be kind of zeroing in on them. So I think this was more of a, let's take the one-off. Some guys had to bite the bullet a little bit, take a little bit less um, because of the situations that are out there. But at the same time, teams take advantage of that, certainly. Get a guy for a little less money on a one-year, try to go for a bit of a run, or try to see if this guy's going to you know, play well, enhance his numbers, and, and he's a tradable asset come the deadline, and let's get some young players or picks coming back in return. So um, you kind of protect your investment either way on this side. 
David, you mentioned the Washington Capitals uh, as they uh, might be making a move uh, here sooner rather than later. Uh, what about Evgeny Kuznetsov? There was that report in the Hockey News yesterday mm-hmm. that he's returned back to Russia. He's caught up with his former KHL club, Tractor. Uh, what's the news with Kuznetsov? He's still got one more year after this year left uh, with the Capitals, but uh, is this situation headed to a, a divorce in Washington, and could he seriously be considering KHL after his NHL deal is done? Uh, potentially. I mean, Ovechkin was there with him, so yeah. I, I, think, <laughs> they're, yeah. I think they were just hanging out. And do, okay. I mean, they do that kind of stuff every summer. Um, but uh, I, I think with, with Kuznetsov, I mean, look, his, his contract's going to expire in a few years. He'll be in his mid-30s. I don't know necessarily if that's the time. And, and again, I mean, look, from a global, a non-hockey-related perspective, we, we've got to see what's going on there. Yep. Um, and he's got to decide that, too. But, you know, usually mid-30s, and, and assuming he's still going to be playing at a, at a top-six level, top-two center level, um, I, I would suspect that he's going to stick around for a little bit longer before, you know, kind of heading back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with those few years left and with the fact that he has – been engaged, or the Capitals rather have been engaged in trade talks involving him dating back to last um, last trade deadline, not last seat, like two trade deadlines ago. Uh, they, they they would be interested and and are willing to kind of make those types of moves to shift things a little bit. I think uh, Mantha that I mentioned earlier, he's on an expiring contract, five point seven million dollar cap hit. I think there's a little bit more flexibility there mm-hmm. um, because of his contractual status to make a, a, a lateral type move. Uh, but if the right deal falls into place and they can get somebody at the center position and, and likely look at a larger type deal, it's something the Caps would absolutely consider with respect to Kuznetsov, who has some no trade protection, so he will have a little bit of say in where he could potentially end up. Uh, up the Atlantic seaboard into Boston, uh, the expected retirement. Uh, obviously, we had Patrice Bergeron at the end of July, and then the expected retirement now of David Krejci. Uh, the top six, uh, the two top two centers, I should say, Pavel Zaka, Charlie Coyle. Uh, is this a group, obviously, they're going to be comfortable with heading into training camp, or does Boston feel like they still want to try and make one more move? I know the cap is tough or whatnot, but do you feel like they, they want to make one more move, or is it Zaka Coyle? I think this is uh, one of the teams that, um, get that head, get that off-season head start uh, or pre-training camp head start and, and start looking around. I think they're going to circle back or at least have a conversation again with Winnipeg about Mark Shifley's availability. And if that's a possibility, um, they've got some defensemen on that blue line that uh, are attractive pieces to some teams. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's kind of the, the center point there between Boston and, and Winnipeg, if they do, um, you know, enhance conversations. I think Jonathan Taves, is an option for the Boston Bruins if he decides that hey I'm 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 ready to go I'm healthy enough I'll I'll play one more year at least and go from there. Um, but I know Boston had interest in him dating back to last season. Hayes was interested in going there. Just obviously the health kind of played a factor. So um, they may wait and see what happens there closer to camp. But at the same time, I think Don Sweeney, their GM, is going to look to see what options are available to him. I think Shifley's one of them. And he'll certainly look around to see if they can upgrade their center position now that it's official with both Bergeron Krejci announcing it yesterday. David Pignotta from the fourth period joining us here on the big show. And and you bring up an interesting point because, you know, Boston could be looking for a top line center. I'm sure there's other teams out there who would love to add a center to their top six. And right now, I, you know, we've talked about Kuznetsov. We've brought up Mark Scheifele. I think you have to include Elias Lindholm's name anytime you talk about elite centers that could be on the move. Yep. Of those three guys, how many of them do you expect to start the season with their current organizations? 
I think Kuznetsov will. I think um, I think Lindholm will. Um, uh, I mean, other than that, we'll kind of see. Because I, I, I think Winnipeg, mm-hmm. like they were a little bit aggressive pre-draft um, in, in at least trying to see or trying to create a market, um, a competitive market for Mike, uh, Mark Scheifele. Excuse me. They, they, that, that's going to be a hockey-type move if, if they pull the trigger on that. That's not going to be moving for futures and going from there. They're going to try to remain competitive, and, and that's going to be a hockey-type deal uh, if, the, if the Jets pull it off. Um, I, I think Kuznetsov, cap, uh, contractually, it just makes things a little bit difficult right now. Um, that could be something next offseason with, with the cap going up and having teams having more flexibility. That might be more realistic there. With Lindholm um, and Backlin, I'll throw him out there too because mm-hmm. he's, he's still you know, certainly out there. And I, I, I would imagine that that's somebody that Boston has – well, I know they've checked in previously. Whether they do that again and circle back, obviously we'll have to wait and see. But I think with Lindholm, um, look, Calgary's making the effort to try to get him locked in. I think both sides understand it. If, if they do get to the finish line, it's going to be an eight-year extension. Um, but is Calgary willing to go close to or around or just over the $9 million AAV mark? I, I think that's what it's going to take to, to get Lindholm locked in with the Flames. And if they can get to that point... Uh, I, I think they'll um, they'll be able to make it work. So far, they haven't, uh, but those conversations have been ongoing and and uh, as ongoing as the off season would be. Um, my communication's fluid. There's no hostility, but uh, I think there's an understanding of what it's going to take to make it happen. It's just a matter of Craig Conroy and the staff in Calgary uh, deciding if they want to uh, make that type of that type of investment uh, for this particular player. Personally, I, I think it's a good one, uh, but I don't run the team, so and, and I don't, I don't run the player either. So <laughs> whatever happens there, I just think it's a good marriage, um, and especially with all the reports and all the guys saying that they don't want to look at an extension right now, he's willing to do that. Just a matter of making the money work. And then the question becomes, what is that dollar going to be? You don't think it's necessarily tied to all the changes to the coaching staff in the front office, and and maybe just wanting to come in and see how different things really are from last season? Uh, no, I think, look, I, I, he certainly likes it there. I mean, it's it, or in Calgary, I think it's more of a, let, let's just try to make it a competitive offer, competitive mm-hmm. contractual um, situation for him. Uh, looking at the marketplace, looking at the league, uh, some of the comparables and, 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 and how the market is going to start to increase. Um, I, I think that's fair market value for a player of his caliber, who is still, to me, one of the most underrated centers in the National Hockey League. Um, so if you're able to bring in a guy that can put up the numbers, play strong defensively um, at, at the same time, the way that he can and, and, and all the intangibles that he brings, uh, I think that $9 million mark or, or around that is, is certainly fair market value um, to, to make that happen. I, again, the, the management has to decide not only what his potential future deal will look like, but others as well. And and what their plan of attack is beyond, um, you know, re-signing, whether it's him or some of their other players. Uh, but I, I think based on the marketplace and how things are trending and how things are currently, uh, I think that's a pretty solid deal if they can get to that point. Who do you think's going to have a harder year, San Jose or Anaheim? Define harder. Um, <laughs> Who is going to finish lower in the standings, but also get a higher draft pick? Right. Um, maybe harder on the fans. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, look, I think San Jose has been pretty open and transparent about their rebuild. 
Um, you know, the, the deal that they made involving Carlson, you know, you're bringing in some assets you could potentially move out closer to the trade deadline uh, with Hoffman on an expiring deal, and Granlin's got a couple. Um, but if these guys play well, move them out for, for more future assets, I think there's room to certainly do that. Um, but again, I think that the message has been put across to the fan base that, yeah, we're, we're going through our rebuild here and it's going to take some time, but you know, it's, it's gotta be done. I think the ducks are well far along, um, with, with their re- rebuild process. Um, you know, they, they need to get Jamie Drysdale locked into, to a new deal. He's an RFA. Um, but, uh, you know, outside of that, some of the other changes are going to give their younger kids more of an opportunity to play. McTavish will have another year under his belt. Zegris will have another year under his belt as well. Um, I, I think things are, are more on the upswing with respect to Anaheim's rebuild and, mm-hmm. and San Jose's just starting theirs. And plus, the Ducks also have other assets that they can move beyond that. Um, we're going to hear John Gibson's name more uh, throughout the season. We're going to hear Adam Henrique's name more um, and, and potentially a couple other guys, uh, Silverberg and, and maybe a few more. So they're still going through it. But I think, um, you know, I think San Jose's season this year will be a, a little bit maybe a little bit tougher uh, for them, but that's that's part of the rebuilding process. Yeah, and, and you listen, that's what Chicago's going through right now. We saw them get the first overall pick, and they get Connor Bedard as a result. And frankly, I still think they're kind of in that category with Anaheim and San Jose, just given the pieces around them, maybe a little yep. bit further than because they've got the franchise piece. But where does Arizona fit in? Do they still belong in that bottom feeder conversation after the offseason they've had? Probably, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe not, you know, bottom three, yeah. um, maybe in that spot, you know, five to eight range. Um, because again, like some of the moves they made one year deals, giving guys an opportunity to play, get more ice time. Um, you know, if you're looking at this and, and looking at what San Jose did with Eric Carlson, um, you know, understanding the season that they were having, understanding that they were bottom of the barrel type team, things aren't working out for them. Why not give your top assets as much of an opportunity to perform and excel and bulk up their numbers so you can bulk up their trade value? And that's exactly what the Sharks did. I mean, I'm not expecting Eric Carlson to hit 100 points this year again in in Pittsburgh. Do I think he's a 75 to 82-point guy? Absolutely. Um, But if you can augment the numbers a little bit and give them in in fortuitous situations to play and to excel and and to beef up those numbers... Um, I, I think that's it's a great opportunity for them, and it may help them win some more hockey games, certainly. Um, but I think from from the Coyotes' perspective, and bringing in some of these guys, Dumba and Kerfoot, and so on, um, you know, let's 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 pad those numbers, let's get some more value closer to trade deadline, and give these guys like and selfishly, from if you're the player, you want that opportunity too because you want to go max out on a better deal next summer when there's more of an opportunity to do it. Uh, we haven't had you on since that Eric Carlson trade. Uh, obviously, we've heard the San Jose side of things. They, they get rid of the Carlson money. They get two assets they could possibly move for, for futures later on. And then uh, Pittsburgh obviously getting the big fish in Eric Carlson. But then Montreal also getting involved in this deal, adding uh, re-adding Jeff uh, Petrie to their blue line and adding Casey DeSmith to that, to that goaltending uh, group there in Montreal. Overall, what was your takeaway on this uh, this deal? I know it uh, it was Pittsburgh and Carolina were the rumored destinations for a long time, but Pittsburgh seemed to be the most serious. But uh, overall, just a read on, on, a, on a trade that kind of helped save the NHL offseason here in August. <laughs> yeah, definitely gave some, uh, yeah. some excitement. Um, look, I, I like the deal across the board because, again, look, it, San Jose gets the first-round pick out of this. Yep. They, they didn't. 
Um, they, they didn't have to eat as much money as some of the other teams were looking you know, at them to do. Uh, only, only eating a million and a half uh, off of Carlson's deal. They get some assets back that they're going to eventually flip and bring in more from a rebuilding process. I think it was a, I think it was a solid home run. Uh, not a grand slam, not a two-run shot, mm-hmm. but I think it, it definitely cleared the fence. Um, from Pittsburgh's side of things, you get the best player in the deal. You, you remain competitive. You can you keep that window uh, barged open as much as you can, and I think he's going to fit well there. And he's excited to go there. Um, he he, I, I think he he was there last week um, to yep. get to know everybody a little bit more and and whatnot. So he's certainly excited about. It. I like it again. As I said, I like it from their perspective too. And Montreal gets gets to move out some money. They're going to move Jeff Petrie at some point as well, whether it's before camp or or. You know, before the season, they're, they've already been looking to do that, and they get a second round pick in a couple of years. So you pad your 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 prospect pool and, and your draft pool a little bit more by by using your cap flexibility as as a weapon um, because you're going through that that rebuild. So uh, I give the Canadians Kent Hughes a lot of credit for pulling that off um, and and generating an additional asset. And you know, I I don't know what they're going to do from a goaltending perspective. It gives them flexibility there too with Jake Allen and Sam Montembeau and Primo as well, and now DeSmith. Um, so it gives them options, and you know you look towards camp. Maybe somebody goes down, and all of a sudden you've got an asset you can flip for uh, for some pieces. So it just gives them a lot more to work with. I, I think this was a solid move across the board for all three of these clubs. David, really appreciate the time here in August. Uh, enjoy the rest of your summer, and uh, hopefully there's some like training camp videos or something like that that we can sink our teeth into in the near future. Appreciate the time today. That would be good. Take care, boys. Thank you. There you go. That is David Pinotto from the fourth period. Uh, always mm-hmm. an excellent chat. Yep. Uh, they've been doing some great work as far as uh, breaking stuff from the NHL. Yeah. Uh, give them some props. Yeah. Interested to hear on, on Boston there circling back. I figured if it, they're going to add anybody big, it was going to be Shifley. And it makes sense as as Winnipeg still wants to be a contender. And I think obviously they want to move on from Shifley. They they can add to that defense. And if, if there's anything wealth that the Bruins have, it's it's that defense core. And goalies. And goalies. And uh, we'll see. Well, obviously, they're like I don't think they're going to be moving Hellebuck anytime soon. But... Uh, and obviously they have the backup bringing back, uh, bringing back uh, their old well, boy. What do you mean by anytime soon? Like the next month or two, or like the next year? Because if they don't move him, he's just going to leave. Oh yeah, as I think I think honestly, Winnipeg's going to take Hellebuck right to July, and then just lose him for nothing because Winnipeg wants to contend, and they're right. not they're not going to not contend but without. It, I know it doesn't make any sense, but why? it doesn't make any sense. And it's it's happening. It's there's we said three can like obviously I think it's going to be easier for Toronto to retain Austin Matthews and maybe even easier for Calgary to retain Elias Lindholm. But it's just it's just the way it is. Like you want to keep it. I know it's not it's not a way of doing it. If I was running the show in Winnipeg, I would have tried my best to be moving out Hellebuck this off season. But again, goaltenders are so weird. It's so weird to move them right now. And well, the, and he wants he, he Vasilevsky. He wants, money. wants Vasilevsky money. Nobody has that right now. No. As good as Hellebuck is, nobody's going to be really, hey, yeah, 9.5 to a goalie. And Let's go. Like, I think it's also important to point out that Hellebuck had a bad year. Bad year playoff. Prior. Bad playoff. And the year prior to the pandemic year, yep. it was terrible. But then again, mm-hmm. that's the goalies. Two years removed from a Vesna. Exactly. So <laughs> up one year, down the next, up the next year, and down it, the next. Like, like, you never know what you're going to get. No. 
You never know if they're dealing with an injury. You never know if there's off ice. You never know what's going on with these guys. Mm-hmm. And it's a volatile position. You certainly quirky need to cats. Win. Yeah. That's, uh, man. I can't. <laughs> Just walk them to free agency. Yep. I mean, that's that's sad. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe things go, like, like even then, you move them at the deadline. You're moving a goalie at the deadline like that. Who's going to be taking a goal? Who's you're you, gonna you, you figured out you know your goaltending situation? About, you know how I feel about moving goalies at the deadline. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> Don't. I just think it doesn't work out that well. And, I yeah, mean, usually. you can try. I'm sure they're good. Like I'm sure Mark Chipman and staff will, and Kevin Chev that day off will work diligently, like work a ton this this year and trying to extend him. They will. We talk about it in football all the time. Mm-hmm. Like there are certain positions. Like if you're an edge rusher, it's like okay, you can probably change teams and figure it out. Yeah. But if you are a receiver or a defensive back, quarterback, it's going to be a lot harder. Yep. And I always just wonder where does a goalie fit in there? Somewhere in the middle. Like it would be, it'd be a cool probably. thing to see how many goalies have transitioned from like one team to another and stayed on that same consistent track through their careers. I wonder how many it's happened. I mean, Patrick Waugh, I guess, is one mm-hmm. from Montreal to Pat, to Colorado, where mm-hmm. his career never really wavered at any point. Probably got better. Pretty good stuff. Yeah. We'll see what happens next with the Winnipeg Jets and Connor Hellebuck. <laughs> uh, hey, around the corner, we have a Hall of Famer joining us. Yes, sir. That's right. Yep. Josh Sanderson, pardon me. Uh, new head coach and assistant general manager of your Calgary Roughnecks. He becomes the seventh head coach in Roughnecks franchise history. Uh, this got announced uh, a week ago. We just got able to uh, catch up with Josh here today. Uh, he will join us after the break, and we will ask him about his return to Calgary. Played a few seasons here as a member of the Roughnecks. He's a two-time NNLL championship winner. Uh, comes with some pedigree, to say the least. Mm-hmm. We'll chat with Josh around the corner. This is Sports at 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program. Home stretch, baby. Hour number three. Big show, Russick and Rose. Russick will be back tomorrow. We're live in the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet basement. We have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement Eve. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. We're going down the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline once again. Uh, we still have our giveaway coming up uh, before we end the show mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on uh, song lyrics that you misheard and had to be corrected after this uh, absolute dandy from the weekend involving uh, Dane White and Mike Tyson. Um, the Fat Boys, Salt and Pepper. You I mean, give love <laughs> a bad name. That's Bon Jovi. As they were uh, going through their 90s hip-hop artists. Very close, Mike. So close. Uh, we'll get into that uh, before we end the show as well. But right now, we go down the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to welcome back to the Calgary Roughnecks, Josh Sanderson, now the head coach and assistant general manager of the Roughnecks. Uh, and welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks for taking some time today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm uh, happy to back be back in the city of Calgary, that's for sure. Yeah, I bet. Um, well, man, it's, it's been... Uh, Playing career that lasted a long time, had a couple of rings along the way, get into the Hall of Fame, get into the Canadian Hall of Fame, get a coaching job. Like, this has just been a whirlwind for you. Have you been able to take a, a, a moment to kind of sit back and, and just drink it all in because it's gone from player to coach, and, and now you're coming up to Calgary and 
getting the bench boss role. Yeah, no, I've enjoyed it all. Um, obviously, after playing, I got to Toronto for a couple of years, which was nice, close to home. Mm-hmm. Then in San Diego, uh, I got to work with the expansion teams, uh, you know, with some good friends there. So that was fun. But now, uh, having this opportunity, I'm just super excited to uh, get going. Obviously, met a lot of the guys now and uh, solid teams that we're looking to build off last year. So just super pumped about this opportunity. You were with the Rochester Nighthawks, or you were drafted, or that's how your NLL career began, and then you were part of an expansion draft yourself, going to the then Albany attack. Uh, what was it like? What kind of lessons did you learn over those years as a player that you could almost bring to the table with this expansion team as a head as a coach? Well, the Albany thing, I've always played under good coaches in this league, so, you know, Bob McMahon was one of my coaches in Albany, and my dad, so... Um, just really getting my feet wet in Albany and getting my confidence as a player. Um, so, but you know, I've been lucky to you know play under some great coaches, and I try to take a little bit from each. And um, yeah, so I I feel I'm ready, and I'm obviously looking forward to the draft and everything first, and then obviously camp's not far behind it. I'm curious, are you going to be coaching any players that you might have played with in your career? Well, Curtis Manning uh, was the last one, uh, one standing from our 2009 team, but mm-hmm. I believe he's retiring. So um, that's one guy that I missed by a year, it looks like. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I've coached uh, some of the guys I've played with, and um, it's been fine. Yeah, it's 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 no problem. Obviously, uh, usually when you play with them, they kind of know what you're about as a player, too, so sometimes that helps. Was there difficulty in, you know, giving, I'm not going to say giving orders because that's not necessarily the head coach's job, but at the same time, you have to implement certain things in order to get your team to win. Was there any challenges in trying to do that with some of these guys that you might have played with? And then conversely, guys that you're not too much older than if you didn't play with them. No, there hasn't been an issue, uh, you know, just because most of the guys that have got the coach good relationships with, so... um kind of build off that obviously there's you know there's rules we go by but uh i think with calgary here i'm walking into a real professional dressing room well i know i am and, and a bunch of good people so i think it's i think it's gonna be pretty seamless uh for the coaching staff's part and hopefully the players part too um just because you know i think they're very accountable to each other and i think that makes coach's job very easy uh, Josh, uh, talk about your time uh, in Calgary as a player. You spent two and a half years winning the Champions Cup in 2009. You would have uh, obviously played with uh, the last head coach here in Calgary, Kurt Mawalski. Uh Yeah, but just talk about Calgary as a lacrosse market. I mean, uh, just going to the, the Saddle Dome on a, on a nightly basis there with the Roughnecks, the crowd's electric. It's got to be one of the best in, in across the league. But just as a market, how excited are you being to be back here in Calgary? Well, super excited. That's one of the reasons definitely uh, coming back is just, you know, I love playing in front of the, the fans in Calgary. So passionate and really help us win on the floor. Just, uh, you know, when they get going, we can feed off some of their man- momentum. So that's super exciting. I also love playing and coaching on the road in, in the Dome just because of that atmosphere. So I feel real comfortable, uh, you know, now I'll be coaching out of the Dome and just feeding off the fans and, um, you know, it's just a great night, it seems, every time, like I said, playing there, the fans are into it, they're enjoying themselves, and obviously it's our job to make them uh, go home happy. 
And you you get to coach uh, last year's MVP and goaltender of the year, Christian Del, uh, Del Bianco. Uh, talk about his game and how excited you be to to coach uh, the best goalie in the NLL. Yeah, that's super exciting. Obviously, um, I think you need goaltending to win in any sport. Yeah, yeah. So to have uh, Delps there right off the bat, you know, with a solid defense, um, it's you know, obviously I'm lucky there. And, and Delps has been really good to me since I've. Uh, come over so it um it's been nice that he's just you know helped me welcome and then i know how good of a player he is so um he'll be backstop and uh he'll be the backbone of the team like usual i'm sure 500 point seasons when you were a player josh i guess what do you want to see out of this group now that you're going to be taking over as the head coach just kind of build off last year to be honest sure. i'm uh, big on goaltending and defense so that's in place. Uh, you know, the offense was good too. I think we can find a few more goals there, but just, I really liked the way they play last year. They're well coached obviously with Kurt. So, uh, just kind of build off that and try to take a step off last year, um, and not change, uh, too much. That's for sure. So throughout your NLL career, you've had stops in Rochester, Albany, San Jose, Toronto, Boston, and then, uh, San Diego with the seals as a coach. Uh, apart from Calgary, what are some of your favorite environments to play in, either home or visitor that you've kind of got to be uh, involved with? Well, I, I would say Calgary's uh, number one, just as far as uh, production for me. I thought I always uh, uh, was comfortable there. Obviously, I really like Buffalo and its atmosphere. Um, you know, they got great fans, too, to make it real passionate. Um, so those would probably be the top two for me. Um you know, I, I really enjoyed my time in San Diego getting, uh, you know, coach, uh, get back on the bench and uh, coach some great players. So I really enjoyed my time there working with Patrick and Steve and Joe. So um, I've just been really lucky so far, and now it's led me back to Calgary, and I plan on taking advantage of it in a city that, you know, I, I love playing in, and uh, I feel it's going to be the same for coaching. Are there, I know we don't like to kind of single guys out and do all that type of stuff, but there's got to be some players on the uh, kind of running around, not in the goaltending position, that you're excited to work with. Does anybody kind of come to not, come to mind? Yeah, Courier's just so dynamic out there with his speed and loose balls. I think he had 200-plus loose balls. I think our captain's really, uh, you know, going to be good to work with. He's just, you know, a good leader, and he's obviously good on the floor. Uh, Tyler Pace. There's a bunch of them that I've liked from the far. Obviously, a ton of our D guys I really like. So I'm just looking forward to working with all of them, to be honest. And then we're probably going to get some draft picks. So it'd be nice to get some more kids in there. Um, yeah, just, you know, they've been really good to me so far, just getting a chance to meet them. And uh, I can't wait for camp already, even though we're <laughs> a couple months out. Uh, you will be taking over for Kurt Miloski, who is the former head coach. He goes home to uh, be part of the Vancouver Warriors organization. Um, I can very much appreciate going home, being closer to family and that entire thing. But this feels like there might be a little bit of a boost to the rivalry there with that type of move. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to boost the rivalry with uh, Vancouver and San Diego, to mm -hmm. be honest, which is... Uh, good for the league and uh good for our fans um so yeah i think there'll be a little bit you know I'm, we're definitely happy for mouse uh with that opportunity he's you know he's had a great run in calgary so definitely no hard feelings um there but yeah i think uh when we get on the floor obviously the rivalry heat up a bit and i think it's been there with san diego the last couple of years um and hopefully this year it grows a little bit 
Uh, Josh, you join uh, Kurt Malofsky and uh, Tracy Koleski as uh, two of your former teammates from that 09 Champions Cup team as, as fellow head coaches in the NL. Something about that 09 team that you guys all, hey, we're, we're going to be coaches one day. It was all just planned or just like this, how it all came together. Uh, no, definitely not that, but you knew, you knew, <laughs> you knew playing with Tracy and Kurt, how smart they were and how passionate they were. So you knew just playing with them, that was going to carry over into whether they're, uh, you know, in a manager's role or a coaching role. Um, I could tell playing with, uh, Tracy and Kurt, um, back then that they were going to be moving on in the NLL with coaching or management after their, their playing career. So, um, they're both good guys. They're both huge leaders that I learned a lot from, uh, and, my time with Calgary in those three years. So, um, yeah, just happy for them. And obviously uh, we're going to want to beat them when we go head to head, but they're, uh, they're definitely both great roughnecks. What do you remember from that 2009 run and, and just kind of the, the energy around town? Oh, it was awesome. Obviously the final was just packed and we fed off their energy. Um, I do remember our semi game against uh, San Jose. We just crushed them. So, you know, that was just one of those games. I think we were up 10-1 after 10-15-1 to at one point. So that sticks out that we just got uh, got on a roll against them to get in the final. And then, um, you know, more of the playoff run. We had a good regular season, but, uh, you know, just beating Colorado, then San Jose, and then um, the Titans in the final. It was just, uh, it was just uh, you know, great playoff run. What did it mean to get into the Hall of Fame, the NLL Hall of Fame? Well, it meant a lot. It actually, uh, I joke that uh, I got in there so quick after I retired because they didn't want to see me play again. So uh, it was it was literally the same year. So I'm like, well, I guess that's a good sign that they don't want to see me back on the floor. So uh, just a huge honor to go in there with uh, you know a lot of people I know and all the greets and obviously my dad. Uh, it was extra special. So super humbled by it. But uh, in the back of my head, they got me in there so quick because I was so slow and old at the end. They had, they didn't want to see me play anymore. Uh, I think we're all looking forward to uh, seeing what you can do with this team. I know the season's still a little ways away. You got the draft coming up. Uh, enjoy it and best of luck. We're uh, pulling for you, man. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate you taking the time. There you go. Uh, Thanks, appreciate Josh. it. Enjoy the rest of your summer, man. That's Josh Sanderson. He's the head coach and assistant general manager of the Calgary Roughnecks. Yeah, that's cool. Cool little get there. Yeah, Josh Sanderson. Uh, just I love bringing the old lacrosse guys back into town. That we, you know, you people know the name recognition for sure. Because sure, uh, you know, and, and just you know, having the guys that, that is going to be a rivalry uh, for sure with Vancouver. I think. I agree. I think it's going to be pretty nasty too. Um, here's the thing with Josh Sanderson. You you hear that chat there? He's the head coach. Mm-hmm. He's obviously been around a lot of these players. Mm-hmm. I think he understands the talent in the NLL. And that's why being the assistant general manager of this group as well, I think that's um, notable. Yeah. Yeah. Do a little bit of kind of player personnel decisions mm-hmm. and, and that type of thing. Now, granted, he was the director of player personnel and uh, assistant coach when he was with the Seals. So it's not like he doesn't have any experience no. in that type of front office role while also doing a coaching role. This is going to be a little bit different. But at the same time, a guy who had a dynamite NLL career, mm-hmm. 500 point seasons, and uh, now he's coming back to the Calgary yeah. Roughnecks. Won, won two rings, mm-hmm. one in 2005, one in 2009. Mm-hmm. 05 was The Rock, and then in 2009 with the Roughnecks. Mm-hmm. He's obviously played in Canada, which, you know, it's not like playing hockey in Canada, <laughs> but at the same time, 
Uh, this is a good barn to play in. Our national sport, you know, Maddie. Exactly. It sure is. Yeah, don't you forget it. Don't you forget it. Uh, great chat with Josh Sanderson there. Uh, we're coming up to the end of the program here. We've been asking you on the text line, 960-960. Are there any um, song lyrics that you might have been singing wrong to yourself for a very long time, and then you either figured it out by yourself, which tends to be less embarrassing, or you had to be corrected by someone in public, which tends to be extremely embarrassing. And that all started because of this clip of uh, Dana White chatting with Mike Tyson on a podcast. You know, I mean, I grew up in, in the 80s when, when rap really started to take off. Run DMC, LL Cool J, the Beastie Boys, um, the Fat Boys, Salt and Pepper. You I mean, give love a bad name. It's just so random. That's Bon Jovi. That's Bon Jovi. Like, <laughs> like where did he think like Salt and Pepper saying that? Like, what? I don't know what he was. Run DMC, LL Cool J, the Beastie Boys. Um, okay. You I mean, give love <laughs> a bad name. Did he think that was the Beastie Boys? Uh, maybe. Had to have. That's Bon Jovi. <laughs> Bon Jovi. The look of disbelief on Dana White's face, where he's like, "You're not really participating in this, are you?" Just, just like lean over that, his desk and slap wrong. him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just about wrapped him on the hand like a like a bad student in class. Mike Tyson, no. probably not the guy you want to do that. Probably to. not. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Was, what are you doing, Dana? <laughs> uh, do you have any your favorite Mike Tyson clips back there, GVP? Oh, got I, hope you got, I hope you got the one I want. I got. Here. I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah, Lennox Lewis. Lennox, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Mike, uh, Francois, both a six to one underdog. Oh, yeah. Are there any concerns <laughs> in your part? I don't know anything about that. I don't know nothing about numbers. I just know what I can do. Have a nice fight, Mike. I'm about to kill this mother <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Mike, why do you have to talk like that? Well, I'm talking to you the way I <laughs> want to talk off. to you. <laughs> Talking to you the way I want to. You got the rest. To you. He's like, I have a nice fight, Mike. Yeah. F off. The Jim Gray interview in the ring. Yeah, no, that's. I broke my back. <laughs> what do you mean by that? You broke my back is broken. What por- a, a vertebrae Spinal. or what well, portion? Spinal. Spinal. <laughs> <laughs> you give love a bad name. <laughs> This is my favorite part, my favorite part. right now. <laughs> I can feel it coming in the air tonight. He doesn't remember filming that movie. Of course like, not. No. <laughs> you give love a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to save that forever. Uh, we got some texts on this in 960-960. Azam has been putting them all together for us. Uh, Texty McTexterson has actually been putting them all together for us. He does all the hard work yeah, around here. Yeah, right? All the heavy lifting. Hopefully Let's he see says what, things right. Yeah, well, he never does. Let's see what he does. Wedley in Bridalwood. For the longest time, I thought the Billy Idol song, Money, Money, was Money, Money. I cover. Yeah, I get that one. Um, but, like, is it wrong that I don't know what, like, Moni Moni is actually supposed to mean? Uh, according to Tommy James from Tommy James and the Shondells, whose that song was originally by, uh-huh. uh, Moni, uh, the Moni sign, uh, Tommy James had a view of the Moni sign atop the Mutual of New York building uh, from his Manhattan apartment. 
So it just said, Moni, Moni. Just kept blinking. Moni, 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 mm. Moni. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that hasn't answered any questions for me. I don't know where it came from. All right, let's get another one. Chris in Kensington. True story. I thought it was if I had a rocking lawn chair, not if I had a rocket launcher. Mm. Only God can say. If I had a rocket launcher. <laughs> Wait. No, no, no. Play that one again. He definitely says rocket launcher. <laughs> that one's pretty clear. Well, that, the, yeah. How did you? How did they release that? Like, how were they? Like, you have to do another take. This is not good. You can't say I'm going to get a Rocky launcher for those who have to pay. That's a threat. Okay, give us another one. Hi, boys. Frank in Calgary here. Blinded by the light, always yep. thought the line was wrapped up like a douche. Yep. <laughs> Deuce. Deuce. Yeah, it's a deuce, which is a type of car. Yeah. Wrapped like a deuce. It's revved up like a deuce, revved right? Up, yeah. yeah. Not wrapped yeah, up. Yeah, because they're revved up like a yeah. deuce because I think they're fired up. Yeah. Know? I think it's like, right. Because they're, they're, they're a couple. Love I Manfred Mayers. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I think that's a common yeah, one. That was well. a very common one. All right. One more. You got one more? I got two more. Oh, okay. Right. Perfect. Chat in Air Dyer. Jay-Z Empire State of Mind. Wait, where's the Air chorus, Dyer? Is I that thought Alicia Keys was saying in New York, concrete jungle wet dream tomato. Wet dream tomato? Oh, no. Instead of where dreams are made oh, of. Instead yeah. of where dreams are made of? <laughs> you thought, she thought what? Wet, wet dream tomato? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Can that's... you play the song? Do we have this one? <laughs> I, I that one wanted is, to hear that. that see, like, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing with these. Is there's going to be a lot of these, but there's a certain amount of them that you say it, and you're like, well, that can't be it. That's, that's gibberish. <laughs> this is nonsense. <laughs> like that. Yeah. It's obviously not wet dream tomato. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, just listen to a couple other lyrics, and you might be able to figure it out. <laughs> Do you know what the other thing is? Whenever I hear a word and then it turns out to be the name of the song, yeah. and I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that title was oh, referencing. Yeah. Hmm. All right, one more. Aubrey and Marta, Maroon 5 slash Christina Aguilera moves like Jagger equals you've got to remove your jacket, remove your jacket, <laughs> remove your jacket. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes like this. Take me by the That one's that one might be the biggest stretch of all five that we've played today. <laughs> I it might be the biggest stretch of all. Of them. If I had a rock, I couldn't even pretend to hear it. Like rocket launcher, <laughs> I definitely heard. Uh, the do, deuce in the night, that yeah. one I you uh, can classic. hear it. Yeah, and that's a classic one. Yeah. And that one's also you're like it could be that. Like it why probably would it be it that probably <laughs> isn't. It's kind of gnarly. Like, why do you want that? It might be, I guess. <laughs> and why is it in the night? Is that Different? Never mind. We don't have to. <laughs> Never mind. It's fine. 
Um, uh, do we have a favorite? Anybody want to put their foot forward? Oh, it's got to be the oh, rocket Oh, here's launch. what we're going to do. Yeah. Uh, the rocket launcher's good. <laughs> Deuce in the Night is also very good. I'm going to make GVP choose. Oh, uh, I, I, I found the wet dream tomato one funny. Uh, even though it's a stretch. It's so dumb. <laughs> just, the, just the cadence no. of it. It's kind of okay. creative. I'm never going to listen to that song. I'm going to sing wet dream tomato no, during for that lyric every it. time now. Okay. I thought that was creative. GVP is awarded a prize to someone who does not deserve <laughs> oh, it. Oh, well, someone else pick. No, man. no, 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 it's no. Your job. He made today. me laugh. Yeah, and he that's made me fine. laugh. Hey, and that's what we text him back. That's too. what we ask for all the time. So, <laughs> who won again? What was their name? Chad in Air Dyer. <laughs> Air Dyer. And play that one again, please. Chad in Air Dyer. Jay Z Empire State of Mind. In the chorus, I thought Alicia Keys was saying in New York. Concrete jungle, wet dream tomato. Concrete jungle, <laughs> wet dream tomato. Wet dream tomato. <laughs> Play the song. You can kind of hear it if you listen for it. No, you can't. <laughs> you can't. Can. No. Uh, clean your ears, bro. Don't use a Q-tip. It's dangerous when no. you have that much earwax in there. Mm -hmm. All right, that'll do it for us. We've done far enough damage. Uh, hey, you guys got a guest coming up, too. We got to get out of the way for that. It's our boy, Peter Klein, chatting some Okotoks dogs. Uh, Ooh, championship series. <laughs> oh, yeah, you better look out. Um, so if they win, are we playing the shred at one and a half or two times speed tomorrow? Five times. Five times. Uh, I would say if they win the <laughs> no, two just, games in a row, then five, five times. Five times. Like, this guy's a lunatic. <laughs> All right, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> see you tomorrow, friends. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.